this is the part where our car stops and then we are stranded at night in the middle of a national forest and nobody's there to help us and maybe we'll get kidnapped and killed and all that and I was just like really scared freaking out Welcome to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Lee, and I'll be sharing industry knowledge and social media tips through weekly interviews with established creators and Q&A sessions. Our goal is to help you decode social media, become a full-time influencer, and do what you love for a living. Let's dive in. Hello, creators. Welcome back to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a topic that I think doesn't really get discussed enough, if at all, really. And I think it's a very, very important issue that we need to talk about, and that is influencer safety. Um, I want to tell you about this one story that happened a couple years ago. Actually, maybe it was three years ago in Oregon when I went there with a friend, Susan, and we were there to create content. We were driving to a lavender field in Hood River. It's called Lavender Valley. It's this absolutely stunning lavender farm um, that blossoms during July and it's just stunning. And we booked the entire farm for, I believe it was 200 bucks at sunset to shoot there for two hours alone. And this is really out in the middle of nowhere. And it was a two hour drive from the Airbnb that we were staying at. So we were driving on our way in our little Toyota that I rented and just chit-chatting and enjoying the ride when I suddenly looked at my dashboard and I realized that we have an empty tank. I was so shocked that I didn't even realize this until an hour into driving and I immediately screamed and I pointed at the dashboard and I was like, Susan, we have no gas left. And we were both just suddenly like, oh my God, we are in the middle of nowhere. We have no internet access, no signal whatsoever. So we cannot even access a map to search for a gas station. We were completely out of gas and it's a national forest. It is sunset time and the sun is about to set in like one or two hours and we could literally be stuck there, unable to call for any help with no other cars passing by. So you can imagine how much I was freaking out inside right now. Like my heart was pumping so fast. I was like, oh my God, this is the part where our car stops and then we are stranded at night in the middle of a national forest and nobody's there to help us and maybe we'll get kidnapped and killed and all that. And I was just like really scared, freaking out. So what I actually did is because it was a pretty hilly drive and a lot of it was downhill, I put the car on neutral as much as I could so that the car could just sort of go down the hill without having to um, use too much gas. We also turned off the air conditioning to reduce the use of any kind of power and we tried to look for signs of where we could get some gas. 
Finally, we saw this one tiny little sign that that pointed like to a gas station, and we were looking on the map trying to find some data, and we got like a split second of data, but it wasn't very accurate. So anyway, we just followed this sign and went towards the gas station. But as we were driving and driving, we couldn't find. The gas station. There was no gas station to be found anywhere, and I was getting really confused. But as we were driving, I saw that there were some houses in front of us. So I noticed that there was a man actually standing outside his house with his motorbike. So I thought to myself, "We have to ask for help. Either we ask for help, he will murder us, and we will be gone forever, and nobody will ever know what happened to us, and our bodies will get dumped in Oregon." Or we approach him, and he turns out to be nice, and he helps us, or points us in the right direction, and hopefully our car doesn't stop in the middle of the road. We stopped our car. I got off, and Susan stayed on the car just to you know observe everything. And I asked the men very awkwardly for help and talked about our situation. And he was actually really, really kind. He was building his house. There and、um, like visiting his newly built house, and he told me that he had some some gas and that he would help pump it pump a little bit in there to just get us going and make sure that we can get to the gas station. He also mentioned that the gas station that I was looking for was already closed down and it no longer existed. That's why we couldn't find it. So he helped us pump some gas, and we thanked him profusely. And we were on our way, and within I think five minutes after that, we found the next gas station that the man had pointed us to. Very quickly refilled before the gas station closed. Mind you, this is like in the middle of nowhere, so there are not that many gas stations, and they don't open all. They're not open all the time. And we got our gas and. We were on our way to the lavender fields. I know when I retell this story, you're probably thinking like, "Yeah, you were fine. It was no big deal. It was just like you didn't have gas, whatnot." But if the worst case scenario had truly happened, if our car stopped in the middle of this national forest with no signal. No internet access and no gas whatsoever. We couldn't even walk to the nearest anything for help because it would be miles and miles away. We would just be two girls stranded in a car on the side of a road in a in a like a national forest. Just imagining that scares me to death. And I have heard of so many different. Murder stories, and like I said, I'm a true crime fan. I've listened to so many murder mystery podcasts, and I've heard of like the story of Mary Vincent. And if you know, you know. I'm not going to talk about it; it's too gory. But if you want to look it up, just look up Mary Vincent and Lawrence Singleton. Um, yes. So I would say in that moment, I was really panicking. I was so scared, and I just felt really bad that. I asked Susan to come with me, and I wasn't careful enough to look at the dashboard to make sure that we had enough gas. And I would say afterwards, when we calculated the number of miles that we drove, and also the amount of、um, residual gas that is in the tank、uh, after it, it is blinking empty on a Toyota Camry, we were probably on the verge. Of our car stopping in the middle of the road, it literally would have been a few minutes away before 
our car had just stopped altogether. So just please learn from our lesson and be very prepared when you are going to travel, especially if you're going to go somewhere where you know you're not going to have signal,、um, where you you know maybe it's close to sunset and and all kinds of stuff like that. I know that social media can sometimes seem like a very close part of our everyday lives. It's just like a regular routine, you know, showing up online and sharing our lives and so on. Because social media often isn't taken that seriously, so people don't often think about some of the dangers that might exist online or when we are out creating content or traveling for content and so on. So today we're going to approach this topic by breaking it down into a few different aspects of your safety、uh, as you pursue your influencer career. The first part we're going to talk about is your physical safety, like when you're traveling, when you're creating content, when you're meeting up with people through the internet, or just keeping your gear safe and so on. The second part we're going to cover is internet safety, so your privacy, any、uh, account security issues, password security, and all of that. And also, we will touch a little bit upon the safety of your intellectual property. The rights of your content and also legal safety. So, what are the things that you need to do to make sure that you are legally safe as an influencer? So, let's first start with the first and most direct and obvious aspect of it all. That is your physical safety. Before we begin, I do want to make a little disclaimer. I will talk about you know various different circumstances in this episode, but I just want to emphasize that you really don't need to be so scared that you couldn't put yourself out there. A lot of the times, I do think that exercising common sense, being aware of your surroundings, and taking some extra safety precautions is more than enough to keep you safe、uh, in all aspects. But we will cover all of the things to consider, just so that we are all more aware of how we can keep ourselves more safe. Now, I'm actually a huge true crime fan, so when it comes to physical safety, personal safety, I do know a thing or two because I have listened to so many different podcasts, and I know a lot of different horror stories that I definitely try to avoid in my daily life. I want to first talk about your safety when creating content. As a creator, going out to take photos or film content is just a natural part of our daily or weekly routine. Now, I actually also shoot alone sometimes when I'm traveling solo, and whenever I share、uh, stories of myself shooting alone, I always get tons and tons of messages of people asking like. Aren't you scared of people just snatching your stuff and running with it, and so on? And、um, I do think that I exercise a lot of precaution when I am traveling solo and when I am shooting solo. So I am going to break it down into five things that I think you can do when you are traveling solo, or even if you're just traveling with someone else. I think these are really good. Guidelines to to follow. The first thing that I would do if I am traveling solo and creating content, or just going somewhere locally to create content alone, is to really assess how safe the place is that you're shooting at or traveling to. Don't take unnecessary risks in places that are known for being less safe or known for having more 
pickpocketing or just you know theft in general. For example, there are some very famous well-known places where I would never ever shoot alone at or leave my belongings down for a second, such as、uh, Tocadero in Paris. It's a subway station, the platform where you can look out into the Eiffel Tower. It's like the famous platform where everyone takes their Eiffel Tower photos. That place is notorious for having things stolen. I have probably stories from multiple friends, and especially photographer friends,、um, about having their stuff stolen or their clients' stuff stolen as well. I personally haven't had this experience,、uh, fortunately, but really, really do your research and just make sure that the places that you're going to is safe. The second thing I would advise is to not shoot when there is a crowd. When there is a crowd, I think it's a lot easier for someone to take your belongings without you even realizing. It's just a lot busier. It's a lot more chaotic, and maybe they're able to take off with your things with、uh, amidst the confusion and amidst the noise. You wouldn't really notice. Whenever I go out to take photos, not just for I guess safety reasons and and camera gear safety reasons, I also just go when、uh, it's early, when there's no crowd, or when it's a little later if it's a very safe city. I go a little later just to make sure that there aren't any crowds, and if anybody is approaching me or my gear, I can see very clearly、um, everything that's happening around me. So I'm very acutely aware. Of my surroundings, and it's a lot easier to to take in everything that's happening when there is no crowd, when things aren't busy, and when it's not a very noisy place. Now, I get asked by people a lot:、um, Aren't you ever scared of people just coming and snatching your camera?、Um, for me, to be honest, not really. I mean, I put my camera on a tripod, and the tripod is fully extended on its three legs. It's not that easy for someone to just come and run up and pick it up and be able to run really, really quickly with like a tripod with its legs fully extended like that. You would kind of have to fold it a little bit and then run with it like a pole. But then I also think it would be very conspicuous for this for this、um, thief to run like that. Um, but also, like I said, I pick my time, I pick the location or the city, and make sure that it's a safe place to be doing this and shoot in like an open space without crowds. But also, sometimes I do check to see where the security cameras are just to be safe, and I do look around me to see if there are. Other people around, in case I need to scream and shout, that that at least I will be heard. Obviously, that I've never had to do that. But even though you don't want people inside your photo itself, but you want to make sure that there are still a few souls inside in case you need to, to get some help. And that sort of perfectly segues into the third point, and the third thing that I would suggest you do if you're shooting alone is to always keep your belongings in your line of sight. Even if I am shooting in a safe place, even if I am shooting when there's no crowd, I always also make sure that my items are right in front of me. So it's next to my tripod. I have my camera bag. I have my regular bag with my, you know, credit cards and、uh, phone and whatnot, and I can see exactly. What's happening around my gear, and if anybody even comes close to it, I will know immediately because I'm always keeping my my eyes on my belonging. So one very important thing not to do 
is to put your belongings behind your back, thinking that maybe it's okay, thinking that maybe someone, maybe there's nobody around and that nobody would just pick it up. I always keep it in front of me, in front of my eyesight. The fourth thing that I do before I go and shoot alone is I always tell someone where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. Just in case if they lose contact with me, they'll know uh, where to start or you know have some kind of clue to begin with. I think this is very important because when we're traveling solo, it's really easy to get carried away. You're like having lots of fun discovering new places and you're super independent and it's a very free feeling. But it's still important to always be checking in with people and when you're specifically going out alone or shooting somewhere or shopping from different locations that you tell somebody about it so that they are aware. Lastly, I also make sure that my phone is fully charged at all times or that I have a um, portable charger that I could use when I'm traveling and especially when I am alone because this is going to be my main way to communicate with anybody if I am lost, if I am in danger, or also it's a way to to keep track of where you are as well because my iPhone does have the um, track my phone function so in case anybody needs to track me they could probably track me by tracking my phone. And then lastly in terms of physical safety I do want to touch upon how to keep your camera gear safe. I did mention before that I always keep it in front of me especially when I'm shooting alone I keep it in my line of sight. My friend Jerome actually had his entire camera bag stolen um, sometime last year, I believe, or earlier this year, and he basically kept it very close by, and he is a very careful person, but it really was just a split second where he had his bag behind him that it got taken. So definitely uh, either just carry your backpack or put it so that it's within your eyesight. Another thing that you can do also that Jerome really recommends is to get insurance for your camera gear. So in the case of any kind of theft, your insurance company can cover the losses for you. I believe it's a few hundred dollars a year. If you just go online and Google like uh, camera gear insurance, you'll find a lot of different options and just do some research. But I do suggest to get some insurance if you have a reasonably expensive camera set. That is actually something that I need to do and I have yet to do. My entire camera gear set together is a few thousand dollars, I'll be honest. Like the body itself is maybe 2,500. When I got it, it was maybe 2,500 or six, 3,000. And I have lens that cost two or three thousand dollars so together that would really be a huge loss for me so so that's what i'm gonna do after this episode i'm gonna go get some insurance for my camera gear also one last thing that jerome mentioned that i haven't heard of before now is that you can install an air tag inside of your backpack an air tag is an apple product it's an easy way to keep track of your stuff you can attach it it's a very very small tag uh, like a almost like a key ring looking thing you can attach it to your keys you can put it in your backpack and just like that you're able to track your items and you can ping it and find it um, it is uh, one way to to prevent 
theft or maybe to hopefully find your back. But I mean, personally, being uh, if I'm shooting alone, like being a girl, even if my bag got stolen and I was tracking it, I don't know if I would feel comfortable going alone to the place where the bag was stolen to retrieve it because I don't know who I'm going to be facing when I get there. And by the time I get help to come with me, it's probably too late. They've probably already separated my camera and my gear from the bag and you won't be able to find it again. And they would have discarded the bag anyway. So, I mean, I do think this is a last resort. The best thing to do is honestly just to always keep an eye on your backpack or always carry it or have someone there to keep an eye out or to have insurance on your gear. I do think that all of the above tips that I just mentioned don't just apply for when you're shooting alone. If you're shooting maybe with a partner or with another girl, I think these are all things that you can do as well to ensure your own safety. So I want to talk next about uh, the safety measures that you should take when you're meeting up with new people online. For me, when I was first starting, because my husband didn't really want to help me take photos and I didn't know how to do it myself, I would go on Craigslist and look for photographers. I did have some great success finding some amazing people there, like I mentioned in a previous episode. I believe it was my first ever episode. If you haven't listened to it yet, you can go listen and hear about my entire influencer journey. But basically, when I meet up with people, let's say from Craigslist, I am very careful about how and where I meet them. I do choose the locations myself so that I dictate where we meet up. That means I am taking things under my control and making sure that I know the area that we're meeting up at. Another thing is I make sure to always meet at a public place, especially the first few times meeting. I also make sure to do a double check on the person's maybe LinkedIn or just a photography portfolio, website, contact info and all of that just to make sure that they are who they claim and of course these things can be faked if they really want to but I do think it's just one extra thing that you can do to make sure um, things seem right. When I do meet up with anybody that I meet online, I also make sure to not ever drink or eat anything they offer me. This is general like life dating safety advice. Just make sure that if you're ever meeting someone you have never met before, you're going to a bar, always, always get your own drinks. Never leave your drinks or food unattended, but drinks in particular because it's really, really easy to spike drinks and make sure to only ever drink something that where you know where it came from. So let's say if you're going to the bathroom or you need to get up and leave and pick up a call or something, don't drink whatever drink that you left unattended. Now let's move on from the more physical aspects to talk more about internet safety. I know internet safety is something that a lot of people have concerns about, in particular, your privacy. People always come and ask me, how can I build an online personal brand but still remain reasonably private? So how private you want to be online is ultimately really up to you. But if you're going to be super, super secretive and private, I will say it's probably going to be really hard to build a strong connection with your audience and grow your brand really fast. That being said, there are exceptions. I do know accounts where they don't show their face and they are pretty successful. 
there is this one particular case that I keep thinking of. Um, her account is Valentine in Paris, and she's a, a Taiwanese girl who lived in Paris for a while, and she has a very Parisian style, very luxury, high-end style. For her own privacy, she doesn't show her face ever in any of her photos on her social media, anything. And because of that, she was she became kind of known for not showing her face, and um, she was on an article. I, I believe it was on Elle magazine, or one of those magazines. And um, yeah, I guess that is her personal brand. However, I will say situations like this are very rare. So it does become necessary at some point for you to show who you are. You know, share more about your personal life. Be raw and authentic with the audience. You know, I'm always encouraging that because I think that is the best way to develop that deep connection with your audience. So I used to be a lot more relaxed about my online privacy and the things that I show and don't show. I'm generally an open book. I just share things、uh, very openly, and I used to take a lot of photos from my apartments in New York City and New Jersey,、um, to the point where you know people kind of know if they really wanted to dig, they would be able to find out where I live.、Um, however, I was always with my husband and. I've never had any kind of like negative comments or anybody threaten me, so I I didn't really think too much about it. Nowadays, I just take it a little bit more seriously because I realized after a few years in this space that, you know, maybe just because it's never happened before doesn't mean you shouldn't at least be a little bit more careful. Did you know that there are at least eleven ways to make money on Instagram? Creators are making six or even seven figures by sharing their passions online, and you can too. I created a free guide called the Ultimate Instagram Monetization Guide, covering all the ways you can monetize your account, even if you don't have any followers yet. In this guide, you'll find step-by-step -step tips, resources, and links so you can start making money from Instagram today. Head to successfulinfluencer.com/monetize to download your copy or click the link in the description of this episode. Now back to the show. So here are a few things that I started doing to to share with you and to give you some perspective. One of the things is I no longer share anything from my apartment that will be very clear indicators of where I live. Right now we live in Puerto Rico, and it's not a secret, but I don't really show the view from our window anymore. I have archived the post where I do show the view from my window. I don't really plan to shoot too many、uh, content from my apartment, especially ones with a view. And it's not that I've ever had any issues at all with this, but I think、um, it. I guess from now on, for me, it's just more like a peace of mind, just to make sure that we feel safe. Of course, one of the things I've always been careful to do is whenever I'm doing unboxing or if I'm showing any parts of our house, I don't show our address. So always cover the parts that have an address tag, or if you're showing a screenshot of any kind of email or anything on your phone, just making sure that you're not exposing any kind of private information. When I'm doing unboxings, I either rip off the address、uh, sticker or I just don't even have the box in the frame itself. 
I also make sure to never show what floor I'm living on. You know, also uh, even opening the door if it says what apartment number it is, I don't show that. I only show, for example, just the apartment itself or things that don't really indicate specifically where your address is. Now, if you have a family and uh, if you have children and you're concerned about their privacy, I think this is totally understandable. My husband and I, we hope to have babies in the somewhat near future. And it's definitely something that we're going to have to sit down and have a good discussion about in terms of how much we want to disclose. We've talked about it briefly before and we were saying how maybe we should give our kid a nickname and just never mention their legal name, that kind of stuff. That, of course, if you have a child, if you have a family, is entirely up to you. You want to decide what is safest for your child. I will say, though, it's very, very important to understand that internet predators are absolutely out there and you want to make sure that you don't ever put any kind of material of your kids in even slightly compromising situations online because they could screenshot that, they could, you know, save that and just even talking about it makes me sick. Like just thinking about these predators that exist online, I would just really urge any mothers, any fathers, any parents out there to to be careful. In terms of my own partner, um, he has always been a very, very private person to the extent that he doesn't even use his real name on his Facebook. So he has always asked me not to reveal his name and not to share his last name, not to share his first name, not to say where he used to work at, not to mention his company name, that kind of stuff. So I just fully respect what he prefers. Now that he no longer works in that industry, he is technically more okay with it but we still just keep it private anyway because that's just how it's always been. One more thing that I personally do is I don't use my legal name on the internet because my legal name is actually my Chinese name and it's pronounced and spelled completely differently from my English name. So um, any of my legal documents, it's all in my under my legal name, but my um, English name is Tina Lee. Now, moving on from privacy, I want to talk a little bit about security, in particular, the security of your Instagram account. So there are many things that you can do to make sure you secure your account. I will go through uh, a few things, but you can never be too careful. But if you have implemented all of these, you can be pretty sure that your account should be reasonably safe. The first thing that you want to do is make sure that your password is a reasonably safe password. So you have a combination of letters, capitalized letters, small case letters, numbers, special symbols, etc. And that you're not using anything that is too generic or easy to guess, like your first name and then your birthday or something. Not saying that you would do that, probably wouldn't, but just make sure that your password is something that is reasonably hard to crack and make sure you turn on two-factor authentication. This is very, very, very important. It's just an extra step that you have to do inside settings and security. Basically, what two-factor authentication is, is when you log in to your Instagram, you will also get either a special code on an authenticator app, or you will get a text message on your phone to double check that this is actually you accessing your account. So I have both the Authenticator app and the text message turned on just to make sure it's extra safe. 
And then while you're in the two-factor authentication panel here inside your privacy settings, go to additional methods and make sure to turn on login requests. What this means is that Instagram will send you a notification for any devices that are trying to log in, new devices specifically, and you need to approve them. And below it, you'll see backup codes. So these backup codes are uh, codes that you need to write down. Write down on a piece of paper and put it somewhere safe, like put it inside the drawer next to your work desk or something. Because in the case that you couldn't receive a code via text or you couldn't use your authentication app, let's say you lost your phone and you feel like your account is compromised or your account is just lost, you can use these codes, save them in a safe place and use it to restore your account. Now, I have never had my account been, be stolen or I have never had it deleted before. So I don't know for sure if these codes work in the case where your account was deleted by Instagram. In those circumstances, you want to go to Facebook and contact Facebook support and hopefully get their help to retrieve your lost account. A few other things you can do to ensure the safety of your account is to use a different email inside your bio than the email you used to sign up for that Instagram account. Let's say your Instagram account you signed up with, let's say your personal email, I don't know, um, Tina likes photos at gmail.com. Then for your public email that you use for brand deals and whatnot, make sure it's something else like Tina blogs at gmail.com. Or if you have your own custom domain name, contact at tinablogs.com, for example. So just make sure the emails are different. It makes it a little bit harder for anybody to hack your account, to access your email, to log into your account. One very, very important thing is that there are a lot of scams out there on the internet targeting influencers and aspiring creators. So I'll go through a few different types of scams um, just so that you're fully aware and what you can do about it. The first type is the ones that DM you and say something like copyright infringement. And it it's, has this blurb that looks like it's an official message from Instagram. Sometimes it even has a blue tick or it has like a pretend blue tick or something. And um, they use the Instagram logo as their headshot to fool you. But please do not be fooled. Instagram will not DM you with any kind of copyright issues. If anything, Instagram should email you. And if they do email you, you can see what emails you have received from Instagram inside your security settings under emails from Instagram. So unless there's anything listed there, please do not be scared by any of these threats coming from random DMs. I mean, just a quick tap on their profile and their account, you should be able to tell that it's not legit, but just so that everyone is aware, I just wanted to put that out there. Another type of scam that I do see a lot uh, happens both within the DMs and in emails. So this is when some pretend brands send you an email and say that they would like to collaborate with you. I know it's very exciting. You know, maybe it's one of the first few emails you got and you're really excited to work with a brand. However, it's very important to double check 
their legitimacy. If they are DMing you and asking you to collaborate, you can always ask them to email you to move it onto an email so that it's a more formal collaboration. I am not saying that formal collaborations cannot start from a DM or cannot occur in DMs, but usually if they are trying to reach you, most likely they will email you. If they are DMing you for some very simple gifting opportunities, it's absolutely possible. I get those requests a lot every day, but you do want to be careful and make sure to ask them what they are asking. So a very common scam nowadays is people who are asking creators to pay for the shipping fee. I want to make it very, very clear that if you are ever collaborating with a company, you should never have to pay for shipping fees. This simply does not happen. If anything, they should be covering the shipping fees, the items and paying you on top of that, right? For your work and for the reach that you have. So just keep that in mind. Don't ever pay for any kind of shipping fee if the brand ever mentions, oh yeah, the product is free and we'll give you a code for your audience. All you have to do is pay a $30 shipping fee. Just ignore them. You could even block them if you want. It's not rude, it's not weird. Those are scams. Another scam that can happen in the DMs or in the emails is when these brands do something similar. They're like, hey, we would love to work with you or we'd love for you to be up a brand ambassador. Uh, click on this link to check out our products and see if you like them so we can discuss a collab. Do not click on the link. Do not click on the link. Always hover your mouse over the linked words and see where it's actually linking to. If it's actually linking to what it claims to be linking to, then yeah, sometimes I would click on it um, just to have a look. But if it has a fishy looking link, don't click on it. I mean, if you want to be extra safe, don't even click on anything. Just insert the URL yourself into a browser to be extra, extra safe. This is just one extra precaution you can take. I actually do have a friend who had 100,000 followers when her account was hacked because she accidentally clicked on one of these links that claimed to be a brand collaboration. And she had to jump through hoops and pay somebody to get her account back from this hacker. So please learn from my friend's mistake and don't click on random links from emails that claim to be brand collaborations. So you're probably wondering like, how do I know if, if these emails are legit or not, if they are scams or they are actual brands who want to collaborate with me? What if I miss out on an opportunity? So a few things that you can take note of is, do they address you by name? If they are just simply plugging your um, title from your account, then you know they're like mass emailing people. Not that some br legit brands or like legit collabs don't mass email people and crawl your data and just mass email, but it's there's a higher chance that it's not really that legitimate or they haven't really been looking at your account and like really dying to work with you. I would say just exercise a little bit more precaution when you're approaching emails that don't actually address you. For me personally, if any email doesn't address me by my first name, I don't even give it the time of the day. So it just gets deleted. Sometimes if it looks like spam, I report it spam as well. Then look at the body of the email. Does this look like a copy and paste type of can email? Or is it really uh, more customized and they talk a bit about your account? One more thing you can do also to check the legitimacy of this email and this company that is reaching out to you is to check the email address it's actually coming from. 
There are some companies who use Gmail as their company address. I admit, but it, it's always a little bit safer if the domain name of the email is actually the, the domain name of the company itself. And like I said, if you're trying to find out the domain name of the company, don't click off any of the links they give you. Simply Google the brand or just type it into a browser, whatever they claim their domain is, and take a look. Is this a real website? Is this a company that is actually up and running, or is the website just like a phony website and it doesn't actually have anything on on there? I have actually had people reach out to me claiming to be influencer agencies, and when I type in their domain, the web address that they have linked on their email, it goes to a website that, on the surface, it looks like it's like some kind of influencer agency. But when you actually look at the paragraphs inside the website, it's all lorem ipsum. It's just these standard, like autofill, random text that comes with any website template, and that's a very, very clear sign to me that this probably is not a legitimate company, or even if it's just like a company that's just starting up. I am not really sure I want to entrust. My personal brand in their hands to work with them on a brand collaboration. Remember, your account and your personal brand is precious. It is valuable, and you absolutely need to make sure to take care of your account, make sure it's safe, and don't entrust any random person or third-party app with your login details and your account details, and also the reputation of your personal brand. I think that covers the most part of、uh, internet safety. If there are more things that you are curious about, you can DM us at fulltimeinfluencer.co. And if there's a lot of requests, we can definitely do another episode about internet safety or influencer safety in general. Now, moving on to legal safety and keeping your intellectual property safe. This is absolutely a topic that you need to be fully aware of and educated on. Let's first talk about your intellectual property, how to keep it safe. What I mean by this is, every time you create content, that is your intellectual property. That is your content, and you have full rights to your content that you just created. When you are working with brands. Often you are asked to sign contracts, and it's very important to read these contracts carefully and make sure to note down what kind of rights are involved and any other、uh, words that are in the fine print. Often in contracts, many brands try to sneak in universal rights to the content that you create for a collaboration, whether it is gifted or for some paid amount. This really is something that you want to avoid, especially if you see the words "universal," "perpetual," and "irrevocable." So these are words that basically mean that you're giving the rights of your content away for good. You cannot reverse it, and you're basically just handing it over to the brand. And this is important to know because us as creators. Our brand, our reputation, our content is our value. So, whatever content you create for brands, if they want to purchase full rights or rights for a particular amount of time, you should be charging appropriately for that. 
If you need a measure of how to charge for that, I would suggest you go to Getty Image Calculators and just type in the terms that they want and get a rough idea of how much you should charge. For some other creators, they charge based on their rates, um, so it really varies across the board. This is something that I would say you will get better at over time with experience and with negotiating various brand deals, but it's just very, very important to know that if there is this language inside your contract, you want to point it out to the brand and tell them that this is not included in the scope of your collaboration. Unless it was first discussed and you were okay with giving away all the complete rights to your content, which I would advise you not to. But of course, usually, you know, they would include it in there even if you didn't say you're giving them the rights. So you want to just make sure you point that out, tell them to please remove it, or we have to discuss um, a different rate, or you would have to send them a, a different rate for the full scope of this project. The reason why this is actually very, very important is because once they have your content, and especially if the content has you as uh, the face of it, they could use it perpetually. So they could use it five years later, 10 years later. Imagine if in five years you have a million followers and this brand that you signed this agreement with is still using your images. And imagine if you gave them the rights to use it wherever they want. That means they can use it on Facebook ads and they can run a million dollars of Facebook ads and reach millions and millions of people every year uh, using your image, even after you've become famous or after you've changed your brand or after you've even moved on from this whole thing. It is possible. I mean, the chances are, to be honest, slim, but do you really want to take that risk, right? Your personal brand is very important, very valuable, like I said. So it's very important to pr protect your content and the rights to your content as that directly reflects your brand. Also, imagine if the company that has the full rights to your content one day is facing a lot of backlash from the public from something really bad they did, but they are still running ads with your content or they are still using your content, let's say worst case on a billboard or something. Your face is basically representing this brand that has a bad reputation and is getting backlash online. And in the worst case scenario, you might even get caught in the midst of it or even be seen as representing the brand or supporting the brand. And I'm not saying that, you know, signing away a piece of the usage right of one piece of content will ultimately lead to really, really bad circumstances like this. I mean, most likely chances are this won't happen and the brand won't even use your content, but I think it's very important to be aware of the possibilities. I know at this point, there's going to be some of you asking me, but Tina, in order to get this brand deal, I have to sign away the full rights. It's like this box I have to check on a platform. And if I don't, I can't apply for this campaign or, or they won't pay me for it. Uh, if that is the case, then you will have to assess for yourself if it's really worth it to work with this brand. Will this brand further your portfolio? Is this content that will help with your media kit? Can you make a case study out of it? Will it help your career in the future having worked with this brand? Is the dollar amount worth it to you? Those are questions that you really have to answer for yourself and there is no right or wrong answer to this. Last point I want to touch upon is legal safety as an influencer. 
What I mean by legal safety is basically the disclosure that we have to make as influencers when we are advertising products. These legal disclosures get particularly strict when we are being paid to talk about a product, to talk about a paid campaign or partnership. And in the US, we are governed by FTC guidelines. FTC stands for Federal Trade Commission and they govern the laws surrounding disclosure of advertisements. So if we are working with brands to recommend or endorse products, then we need to comply with the law when we are making these recommendations. And the main key is that you are making good disclosure of your relationship with the brand. I will attach on the show notes the PDF that is the official guide that has been published by FTC. You can go to fulltimeinfluencer.co slash podcast to find the show notes and download this PDF so that you can read through it yourself. But basically what they are emphasizing is that you need to make sure people will see and understand the disclosure that you're making. So for example, you have to place it in a place that is hard to miss. You want to make sure it's not hidden amongst a ton of hashtags and kind of like hiding in a tiny little ad, or you don't misspell the word ad by putting a space in between hashtag hashtag A space D or sponsored, but you spell sponsored, hashtag spoon. You know, don't make these mistakes. Just make sure you are disclosing properly that this is an endorsement and a partnership so that your audience is aware. This is our responsibility as influencers and you could get into legal trouble if you don't follow these guidelines. Now these guidelines are different for different countries. So you want to look up if your country has specific guidelines. I know that in the UK, there are very strict guidelines as well. They have certain hashtags or phrases that you have to use when you are being gifted items. For example, I think they have to disclose if it's a press day and they put in brackets like press day or they say add PR gift. And for Germany, there's also very, very, very strict guidelines. I mentioned this because I think it's very important to be aware of our legal responsibilities as influencers and because there are some big influencers that I know of who got sued and lost the lawsuit. It's a German blogger that I know of who lost this lawsuit. I do not know any of the details, so I am not at a liberty to talk about it. I don't know this influencer. I simply just saw on her stories that she was going through some lawsuit because of disclosure issues and I didn't read it anywhere else. And so I don't have any details, unfortunately, to share with you other than just a word of advice to make sure you disclose it fully and properly. All right, that sums up all of the safety precautions that I wanted to share with you about from your physical safety, your gear safety, internet security safety, your privacy, intellectual property safety, and also your legal safety as an influencer. I hope that this was helpful for you and might save you from some issues or heartache or potential harmful events. Of course, I hope that will never ever happen to you. Just make sure you exercise lots of precaution and common sense whenever you are out and about and just to follow all of the the security and legal safety guidelines. 
If you have suggestions of other safety issues that you think we should address, please DM us at fulltimeinfluencer.co because I would love to hear from you. This could definitely be great material for our future episodes. And because I think these are very, very important messages that I would love to get out to other influencers out there so that we can all stay safe in our personal life and business. Thanks again for tuning in to the Full-Time Influencer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who could benefit from it. And I'll see you in the next one.